Welcome to another episode of Toast and Jam. I'm Alex. I'm Brian. Still Nathan. Uh, today we're doing Sublime. I'm gonna fanboy on all y'all right now. Sublime, <laughs> favorite band of all time, right here. This, this Absolutely. Is a Brian. Um, this is a Brian-centered this, episode, <laughs> right? He's gonna he's gonna school us all. <laughs> Sublime was an American ska punk band from Long Beach, the LBC. 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 Formed in 1988, the band's lineup unchanged until their, the, it, you know, everything I saw says until their breakup. Would you consider a death no. a breakup? No, they didn't. It, it wasn't a breakup. Bradley Noel, of course, was the vocals and guitarist. Eric Wilson, bass, and Bud Gaw. Bud Floyd I Gaw. Was the drums. Yep. Why don't you take it away, Brian? You, you, wow. You know this like the back you know, of your hand. I mean, what, what to say about these guys? You know... Talk about another band with an unmistakable style. These guys were it. The way they flowed with reggae, rock, ska, a little bit of punk in there. If you listen to their mm-hmm. albums, they do total punk rock. Mm-hmm. They they do it all. You know, led by Bradley, their master guitar player. That guy was a beast. He was. He I think he was underrated too because you know some of that ska stuff he does. Ska is really hard to strum to. Oh yeah. Those quick upstrokes on I, what are those sixteenth beats? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, if you're a music head, it's just I, I've tried it. It's it's insane. I I can't even come close. So Bad Fish is the um, is the song off of their first album, Forty Ounces of Freedom, released in. 1992. Holy crap. See, oh, this, yeah. guy knows his, this guy knows his stuff. Bad Fish, though, originally appeared on an EP called Job Won't Pay the Bills, which actually came out in 1991. Do you have that? I don't have it. It's out there, but I don't have it. That's have the, the one that's like all, only on cassettes, like in the hands of... Right. In the hands of diehard fans from back in the day yeah there was there was that oh man i'm trying to remember all the ones it was there was that there was we're only gonna die which is a a bad religion cover um Mm -hmm. and a few other songs that were on there yeah it was a it was a five track ep and that that was that was one of them so as i was doing the research on this particular song um there was a lot of back and forth about what people thought the actual meaning of the song was but to me, it sounds just like a, a real metaphor for drug addiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I don't really see anything else. They were talking about relationships and all that stuff, but really, all I hear, all I hear is drug addiction. It it comes down. It it is about addiction. Um, a lot of people actually say that a bad fish is someone who introduces another to heroin. Mm. That they're the bad fish. Um, but just but just the lyrics in general. Have you ever seen a fish that's bad? Like, oh, has I've a fisher seen... ever been like, oh, that's a bad fish. Oh, I've bad seen fish. it. Bad you've fish. Ne- <laughs> you've never seen a fish get punished before? There's, there's bad fish out there. Come on. <laughs> uh, reef is a direct moniker for heroin in the song, and being underwater is a euphemism for being strung out or being on heroin. Um, hmm. So I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of uh, real, like, tangential, uh, tan, tangential, I don't even know the word. Uh, most opiate... <laughs> we get it. They say that, well... And, and really, what the hardest part is that this song now and this the band and and Brad has been gone for so long 
there's no definitive answer as to what each of these lines and what everything means. So it's, it's up to interpretation. If people think it's about addiction, then they try to find the connections between each line in the song to say, oh, and that's what this means. So um, some people say, I dive deep when it's 10 feet overhead, grab the reef underneath my bed. So they're saying that opiate, opiate addicts hide their stuff in, in places and, and that's a metaphor for him hiding his drug stash. And I'm thinking like, that's a real kind of loose connection to... It kind of is, but I think it's deeper than that because... It's got to be deeper than that. Well, what what I took out of it, and, and I heard this in an interview with, uh, with his wife, Troy, Brad's wife, was that he was open about it. He didn't try to hide it per se, but he wasn't proud of it. He was ashamed of it. So the hiding kind of comes into that aspect of it right i mean when someone's on that kind of a drug it's it's not hard to know that that's what's going on but that doesn't mean that they're doing it in front of you they're doing it in private and just kind of hoping maybe you'll look the other way mm. but they're trying to hide it to themselves because again they're, they're not proud of it you know which she's, is, she's openly said he was never proud of it but it was just unfortunately part of who he was which is interesting because his father said that I read a I read a, a review or an interview with his father saying that Brad felt that he needed to live the rock and roll lifestyle that he was that he was portraying. He needed to be that character, so that's why he got into drugs. That and I thought like that parents' excuse. For that him. sounds like <laughs> such BS to me. But but it, it, if anything, it infuriates me because that's a stupid ass reason to do drugs. Yeah, that is a dumb ass reason I, to, me, to do drugs. To me, that sounds like a parent trying to justify that. He raised his could his kid good, and it was something else that took him off the deep end, and trying to just find an excuse. But yeah, that's it, horrifying. It, it it is, and it and it's so hard because how do you, how do you justify doing something like heroin when when you know it's when you know how bad it is, and you know what it can do? I mean, he he himself. I mean, there's a song. I don't know if you all have ever heard it, but there's a song that they wrote or that Bradley wrote called Pool Shark. Yep. You know that song? Okay, mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a there's lines in that song and it just like he kind of predicts what's going to happen you know he he says how does it go he says i can shake but i can't breathe i take or i got i'm sorry now i've got the needle and i can shake but i can't breathe i take it away but i want more and more one day i'm going to lose the war that's the lines of the song i mean yeah. you don't have to read too far into that you know he he knew it was know. dangerous I'm thinking he might have meant yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, right i know <laughs> needle it's like now. Wait a minute. No, the needle. sewing a shirt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was a crazy sewing addiction that he had, and he knew it was just. It was, it was a matter of time. Or knitting. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Something. I know. I, I just. I. I wish it was. I mean, their, their original record contract I read was, um, was supposed to be for six albums, and, damn, I want those other five albums. Yeah. I just do. Yeah. I just do. Their music. Music was awesome. It just. It just spoke to me. Bad Fish was the song that I first heard. That I would come home and I'd put the thing on repeat, just over yeah. and over, because it was a perfect blend of this new style of reggae, and, and it just it just did something for me. What's really sad, and I didn't write down any of the specifics here, but what's really sad is that I was reading through the um, the history of the band. To be honest, they were just starting out. Like there, that Forty Ounces of Freedom album came out, and then it was pretty much like right after that that he. He OD'd, right? It, it, well, it wasn't... It, it was a little bit. There was... He... That came out right around 91, 92. And then they, they followed it up. They, they were trying to get a record deal for a long time, and it wasn't happening. Um, a lot of people have speculated that that's kind of why he got into heroin, because he was getting bummed out with the fact that he couldn't get a deal. 
Um, they say that, that was part of it. They put out a second album that not a lot of people know about called uh, Robin the Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tweaker album. I mean, don't get me there's some good stuff on there. There's there's he did the duet with uh, Gwen Stefani on Saw Red, and there's there's a song called Greatest Hits, which is just awesome. What year did that come out? That was ninety four. Okay, because. I saw I I grew up in in Southern California in the world famous K Rock. They used to have these concerts every year at um, at back in the day it was the Blockbuster Pavilion, but they would have mm-hmm. these weenie roast concerts where they have, you went to the K Rock weenie roast. I went to a ton of K Rock weenie yeah. roast. I went I went almost every year for like a good six or seven years mm-hmm. back in the '90s. So you name a '90s band, I saw at you least saw one 45 minute set from them. Right, but I saw Sublime. I saw Sublime nice. back in the day. So you, and, you and so, it so was, Ron Jeremy brought them out on stage that was, day, right? Yep, and yep, it was yep. a very little known. Um, while they were playing, it was a little. They brought out a little known artist came out, and uh, it was Gwen Stefani. And right. at that time, no doubt, everyone was like, "Who?" They were just. No, they were just yeah, getting just getting going. Starting. But she came out and and sang with them, and of course, they were both amazing. And mm-hmm. and at that time, I think K Rock was playing Date Rape. You know that song, Date Rape. Yes. Yeah, that was that was the that one was that really rape. started launching. Them, yeah, that was, it was getting song. radio play. Yep. Yeah, which is a crazy song, but that uh, the song with that kind of um, message would yeah. probably not go not fly right now. Not really go over too well right now <laughs> yeah, with but, all but the it, Cosbys in the world. But it is an <laughs> anti-date rape song. Like he's talking bad about it. He's basically saying don't do this. Yeah. So, you know, there there's a positive spin there, right? <laughs> Killer baseline too. Awesome baseline on that song. The song's actually pretty badass. It's a pretty good song. It's cool. It's 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 insane to play. Yeah. Um but all of the songs that I think people know them the most for um what I got and um, Santeria, Santeria, doing time, wrong didn't, way. Didn't like majority of this come out after he died? Yes. Yeah. So what happened was they finished recording the album. They recorded out in Austin, Texas. Um, it was produced by Paul Erie from the Butthole Servers. In case you didn't know that, the Butthole Servers. Right? I always love that name. I know. I, I don't. I don't even know how the they visual, made it. Visual. Every time I hear it, I don't know how they even made it on the radio with that name. To be butthole honest, Butthole Servers. I have to question my sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, that's hot. No, they they re, they recorded that. They recorded the album and and um, they were going on tour in support of it and, and it hadn't been released yet. And then that's when that's when the OD happened. And then like two months later, they released it. What became the self-titled album. Um, which on a side note was actually going to be that wasn't the name they picked out they were actually going to call the record Killing It but the record company decided in light of what happened that wouldn't be an appropriate name because they immediately broke up they like they did the Nirvana thing they said right. we're not going we're on without them so the record company was left in charge of it and they just gave it a self-titled name because that was the easiest thing to do Yeah. but that has a lot of the singles that most people know and along with myself didn't know that he was gone after that was that the most hit? hits they've ever had on an album yeah it was that one because 40 ounces of freedom pretty much had had is it they're good songs i like them but oh, yeah. like did his uh death spark a better notoriety for the album i don't think so no? i don't think so because a lot of people like myself for a long time afterwards i, I didn't know he was gone i started hearing the stuff on the radio and again this is 1996 like not mm. everyone has the internet and google in their yeah. house like they do now i couldn't look him up all I knew was what people told me, and and Bradley's dad has said in interviews that he um, he was getting fan mail for the long time afterwards, going, "Hey, tell me when when they're coming to my town." And he's like, "Yeah, well, he's he's not here anymore." You know, like a lot of people didn't know. That's crazy. I think some of it some of it always has something to do with it, but not totally. I don't yeah, think. yeah. Because yeah, a lot of, yeah. a lot of people didn't know in his case. Yeah. 
It's crazy sad too because he had come back to the hotel after after a show, mm-hmm. and yep. he was sharing the hotel with the bass player. No, he was room, he roomed with Bud that night. Oh, and yeah they they were they were in Petaluma. They uh, they drove to San Francisco that night. They stayed at a little motel, and Bradley was up at like five, and and he tried to wake up Bud and was like, "Hey, let's go to the ocean." They were right across the street from the ocean, you know, and they're all surfers. And, Bud was like, no, no, I'm too tired. And then he went and got Eric, the bass player. And Eric was like still like way hungover, he said. So he was just like, dude, I'm not getting up. I'm not getting up. And then that was at 5 a.m. And then at 11 a.m., Bud woke up and found Bradley in the room. And he was kind of half in his bed and half not. He actually said that he kind of laughed at first because he was like, oh, Bradley's partying. Couldn't even make it to bed. And then, you know, then he realized what happened. And it was like, oh, my God. So that's a heartbreaker. It was it was crazy. It is so, a heartbreaker. And, and, and I mean, those guys knew each other for years. You know, it's. I mean, I was in a band for years. I can't. I can't even imagine what that that must have felt like to wake up and see a member of your family at that point. You mm-hmm. know, just, absolutely. You're all just, living this dream, going into this big space of life, and then, bam! And it's actually happening. You're making it's it happen. Happening. It's happening. It's. It it's, was. He. He. He was on the. I, you can't see my fingers because this is a podcast, but they're real close together. He was <laughs> that close to like actually seeing the success that that came. To I him. can see Brian's fingers, and they're like they're very they're like, close. It's like a. They're touching, right? They're almost <laughs> they're touching. Like it's. Touching. It is so incredible. Like they look really close. I once caught a fish this big. <laughs> no, he was. He was right on the verge. He had. His son was 11 months old at the time. He had been married seven days. He was married the week before I, uh, to his girlfriend. I always heard this rumor. I think my brother told me or something when I was young, but uh, I don't. I've never bothered to look it up. I think I even told my son about it because he likes some of the songs that come on the radio. And, yeah. But uh, they, they got some of their instruments from the uh, L.A. riots. Like they broke in, people were you know window shopping, smashing and grabbing, and it, like. That he that they the band had like amps and stuff that were from very that. Po- very possible. I don't know. I I don't know for sure. I mean, they wrote about that in their song. There's yeah. a song called April 29th, 1992, which is about the the, the Rodney King riot. riot. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he and he and it right in there. He says, "Where do you think I, I got this guitar that you're hearing oh, me play?" Okay. Well, that's yeah. probably why. No, so. whether whether that's actually true or not, it might be. Yeah. I don't I don't know for sure. I mean, it could be Southern California boys. Who the hell knows? Yeah, who knows? Right? Yeah. Very it's just true, a but... really, it's a really tragic story. You know, it's, it's not because, and I think the tragedy lies really in the fact that they were, they were so close to being what they wanted to be, you know, where, where everyone else like Kurt Cobain had already reached that level of fame. Scott Weiland had long surpassed that level they had of seen, fame. Yeah. They, yeah, they have, they had come, they had conquered and they'd, that had been it. He was on the verge. Like yeah, he right was on point. the verge to break out. And had that album come out, and they had all these singles, those guys would have been huge, and they would have been living the real rock and roll dream that they oh, totally. had been wanting to live. And he never got the opportunity because of something as stupid as freaking drugs. Like, I know it's just it's so messed up. Yeah, it, it, it is. Right. I mean, and and I hate it even more because I love that band so much, and and the music they put on. I'm always finding stuff on the internet that I hadn't heard before, videos, yeah. and I remember. I don't know. I think it was in '97 or '98. There was a there was a they had a, a posthumous album come out called Secondhand Smoke, which was all stuff they had recorded but was never released. And it was oh, like, wow. oh, a new album, you know, even though it's not really a new album, it was like yeah, yeah. me and then other unreleased stuff. And it was just I was like, let me have it, let me have it, you know, give me that music. And 
I think it's uh, also noteworthy to add that if the song is specifically about heroin use, um, it was written and recorded, as Brian said, on the 91 cassette, Ja Won't Pay ja the won't Bills. Ja Won't Pay the Bills, yeah. And his heroin use didn't begin until years after that. So, it was about... Did you say job? Won't ja. Ja. It, it's kind of a Jamaican term for God. Ja. ja won't Pay the Bills. Yeah, it's a, it's a reggae type thing. Yeah. I had a buddy in a reggae band that was called Ja Biting Citizen. There you go. See, there you go. Yeah. God abiding citizen. <laughs> so with it, so is there any like backstory of like why they were into the that reggae sound? Yes. There is. Oh yeah, let me hear it I Well, Alex knows it, right? No, wait, that's me. I'm that's sorry. You. That's you. No, actually no, see what happened was Bradley was um Bradley had a hard time focusing. He was an early like what they would call ADHD now. Mm-hmm. Well, his dad was in construction and did pretty well for himself, so his dad actually took a month off in the summer of 1979 and they sailed around the Virgin Islands for a month just like a vacation father and son because he was divorced from his wife at that time and um, that's when he got exposed to reggae music or, you know Bob Marley was really big down there at that mm-hmm. point Bradley was already playing guitar his dad played guitar and he heard the music and was just like dad I want to know how to play that and you know a couple local musicians showed him oh, a few things this and that and then when he got back that was like all he focused on he was just like I want to do this I want to do this and he practiced and practiced and practiced. And then when he started doing bands, he wanted to do that that rock slash reggae style. It just kind of stuck with them. Now, were they, were they like the birth of that kind of uh, NorCal reggae rock? I, I'm not NorCal, but California reggae rock? I think so. I think so, too. Yeah. I, can, I can't think of another instance uh, before them that they that had put that kind of sound together. Not Yeah, not really. No, there, there was a lot. I mean, there's a lot now and there's a lot that came after. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of them were around not in the late 80s not like Sublime was or Sublime as they say in SoCal Sublime Sublime, Sublime. yeah what do you think of Sublime with Rome? short answer I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it I like it a lot, a lot of people put a lot of hate out there it's, oh he's not Bradley oh, there's no like, reason for hate it's you know just... there's there's not ever going to be another one unfortunately you know yeah. I mean I mean Allison Chains is going through the same thing oh he's not Lane State well, yeah we know we know STP and they're all we, we know they're not them but man if the band members aren't ready to stop and, right. and there's fans like myself that want to hear the music I, I, I went and saw yeah. Sublime with Rome about six months ago Mine it was awesome have- 75% of the original band members and keep it going. Yeah. That's that's where uh, I'm at. Who's Rome? Why is it with Rome? Is Rome special? Well, so Rome is the new is the, the new, new singer. lead lead man, lead front man guitarist. Totally. Why is he get with Rome? Because they're not legally allowed to use the uh, name Sublime. Yeah, it's an yeah. estate thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's an okay. estate thing, so they have sense. to they have to have the the addition with Rome in order to differentiate themselves yeah. from just the, fir- the first time they ever played. They were they did it with Ask Sublime. That's what they're going to do and then the estate said, "Yeah, I can't do that." Which is kind so. of petty, right? I don't know. I think that's uh, a little petty. There's so much petty stuff in that whole. I mean, just like Breaking Bug getting sued by Sony. It's yeah, stupid. that's that's uh, a dumb, oh, for, ridiculous. Oh man, yeah, like, I know. For the, yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, I don't know. There's a bunch of legalities I don't understand. All I know is I like the music and I want to hear it and seeing it live. Even with Rome was great. Yeah, because they play the old stuff. They have new stuff that they've recorded. Yeah, and those guys are freaking amazing. The original Sublime. Yeah, you know. Um, well, Bud's not even the with him anymore. They have a new drummer. So what, they just have one guy. It's just Eric now, really, at this point. 
All right, they shouldn't be sublime anymore. Uh-huh. Then. <laughs> is that, is that just lime at this point? <laughs> er, Eric's, Eric's great. Sub. Sub, sublime, sublime and Eric Wilson, that, that's, that's the sublime. reason I... Sublime. <laughs> that's, that's the reason I started playing music was those guys right there. I mean, all, yeah, all that good stuff they put out. Those guys are amazing. The guy had an amazing voice, too, though. Brad, he was good. Brad had a great voice. He was good. Yeah. Definitely. Well, to Sublime... Another falls. Ghost and jam. Oh 